Hello, we are back. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs, and this is another episode of Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. This podcast is made in conjunction with the amazing crew at Endometriosis Australia. I'm an ambassador for them. And a big shout out to everyone who is currently in lockdown, including our Endo Warriors in New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT. I know it's an extremely hard time to be battling a, a chronic illness and being stuck, but um, just take care of yourselves. Get in contact with your healthcare professionals when you need to. And of course, there is the Endometriosis Australia website and Facebook group that you can reach out to and get all the info you need. It's endometriosisaustralia.org. And hey, just a friendly reminder, with this podcast, make sure you subscribe, share and review because by doing this, you actually help spread the word to other endo worries that this podcast exists. And that means in the future, we can bring you even better chats and more resources, which just means for a better listen what we love to hear. So with this episode, I'd love to introduce you to one of the amazing volunteers for Endometriosis Australia. She is the New South Wales State Coordinator. Her name is Natasha Torero. Natasha Torero, like Ferrero. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Best surname ever. <laughs> it's easy to remember if you remember the Ferrero Rocher thing. <laughs> oh, now I want chocolate. Um, yeah, how same. are you going? So you are the New South Wales State Coordinator for Endometriosis Australia. You are based in Sydney. Uh, what week of lockdown are we up to now? Oh, I think I've lost count. It must be, it's more than eight. It's what, 10? Mm, Something yeah. like that? Uh, not, so, not looking to be eased for quite a while. How are you holding up with everything going down? Yeah, all right. I think I'm past the denial and anger phase and into the just boredom phase. Yeah. <laughs> just don't really know what to do every day. Well, this is the beauty of the uh, Living With Endo podcast. You can do a big binge session if you're stuck this in lockdown. Go back, listen to all the other episodes, learn all about endometriosis. Yep, I definitely highly re- recommend that. I love the podcast. You do a fantastic job with it, Ellie. Well, thank you so much for being our guest this week and we would love to hear... Where did your endo journey begin? Oh, well, I mean, like so many other people, my symptoms definitely started when I was a teenager. But again, like so many others, I never really knew that there was anything wrong because I just thought that it was normal. So after 10 to 12 years of symptoms, about three years ago, I began to get daily pain that just never went away. So, of course, I had a bunch of scans and tests. I was madly Googling, desperate to find out what was wrong. And that's when I came across the word endometriosis. And there would have been other words that pop up with uh, a little Dr. Google. And did you diagnose yourself with endo at that moment or were there other things going around in your head? Well, I think I, I looked at a lot of things. But when I came across endo and I looked at the list of symptoms, yeah. I thought, oh, my God, it's me. Yeah. And it was just it, something kind of clicked. And so... I went to the GP and I said, can you give me a referral to a gynecologist? Um, because I think that's where the issue is. And you obviously have a great GP who, who did the right thing or did they have any idea when it comes to endo? Uh, they didn't. I've actually changed GPs since then. So I've got a consistent GP um, who coordinates all of my um, specialists now. Um, but yeah, the GP who initially referred me to the gynecologist didn't really I don't think he had any idea about endometriosis. So that was definitely a wake-up call uh, in terms of initially realising how low awareness is and how much, you know, work 
uh, needs to be done, which is part of the reason why I decided to volunteer for Endometriosis Australia. The amount of times I've heard endo warriors talking about going to the GP and the doctors will look at them and either not know what it is or I've heard one story where the doctor didn't even know how to spell it and had to ask the patient to spell it out for them. Uh, It blows my mind to think that, you know, one in nine are going through this and that the medical system, the professionals that we need to be going and seeing don't even know about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had a a friend who um, is a medical student and I remember him telling me a while ago now that they basically don't even learn about it in medical school. Mm. Like they just, it's just completely looked over. So yeah, there's definitely work to do there, but you know, Endometriosis Australia does a fantastic job at raising awareness. And so, you know, there's definitely been progress in the last couple of years. So you were able to book in to see a specialist and what was the process of that? You got in, you had the conversation, then did they say, right, you need to have surgery? What happened? Yeah. So I basically went from the time of that daily pain starting, I basically went from the GP to a gynecologist to a surgeon to a surgery and a diagnosis within about four months of that daily pain starting so it was quite a quick process from that um from that perspective but i mean i guess i'd had been having symptoms for 10 to 12 years before Mm. that so maybe it wasn't such a quick process you're talking about this daily pain and i try and describe it you know for example to my husband and how do you even equate the pain trying to explain it to a bloke? But what does it feel like for you? Oh, I mean, it changes. It changes sometimes, but sometimes it's like, it feels like there's barbed wire around my insides and it's like trying to escape from the inside <laughs> or, you know, a, someone's pushing a screwdriver into my, into my pelvic region. It's just, it's awful. You never know not, what you're going to wake up to every day, don't you? I think that's the, yeah, the hard thing with this, this illness is that you just don't know. Yeah, you just don't. And I think for me, I mean, diagnosis wasn't actually the silver bullet. It was actually after the surgery where things started to get a bit more, shall we say, dramatic. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, my surgeon didn't tell me that I might continue to have pain and other symptoms even after re- recovering from surgery. So I was continuing to have daily pain. I you know, it wasn't as bad as it was before the surgery, but it was still definitely there and it was still intrusive in my daily life. And so, you know, I was trying to push through, trying to return to life as normal. But by about nine months after that surgery, it was so bad that I was knocking on that surgeon's door again. And did you go in again? Well, I didn't go in for surgery again. So I went back to the surgeon and again, he didn't provide any kind of information about central sensitization or pelvic floor overactivity or anything Mm. that I now know contributes to pain in addition to the physical presence of endo. Um, So instead of um, going uh, into surgery again, because still it was only nine months after uh, that first surgery, um, instead they put me on this really intense medication um, that put me into a medically induced menopause. Oh. It was... (laughs) How old were you? I was, it was three years ago, so I was 26, 27. Oh, that's cruel. Yeah, it was, um, it was a lot. So they told me I had to stay on this medication for three months. And I'm not exaggerating, Ellie, when I say that it was the worst three months of my life. I honestly could not tell you what I did for those 12 weeks. It was like I was a zombie. I couldn't concentrate on anything. I could barely work. I was in so much global pain all over my body that I could barely stand up for 10 minutes at a time. And I was also 
so incredibly depressed. I was having really dark thoughts. Like that medication just really messed with my head. Did you speak to the specialist and say, this is how it's making me feel, I need to stop this? Or did you push through? I just kind of pushed through those three months and they were, you know, three months from absolute hell. And But I got off that medication the minute that I could. So the minute the three months was over, I stopped it. I went back and I said, look, this is not working. And I decided it was probably time for a second opinion because that doctor didn't really seem like they could offer me very much more other than something that was really not helping. <laughs> yeah, and that's a big thing we want to emphasize in these uh, podcasts and Endometriosis Australia do as well. It, 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 you know, if you're not happy with the response you've got from your GP or from your specialist, then then go and get a second opinion. Go and get the third until you get the Absolutely. answers that you want. Yeah, you, you deserve, like everyone who's dealing with this condition deserves to be respected and to be listened to by their medical professionals. And if you're not getting it from the person you're seeing, find someone else. Mm. It's it's so important. I mean, like I said, I got off that medication as soon as I could, decided it was time for a second opinion. Um, I actually got a recommendation from uh, a, a woman that I work with who also has endo, and she um, gave me a recommendation to her gynecologist and Elliot was like a ray of sunshine had broken through the darkness. This woman was amazing. She was so empathetic and patient and she reviewed all my documents in detail. She asked me questions, answered all my questions. She explained everything so clearly. Mm. Based on her review, she gave me a recommendation for a new medication to try and some options to consider for a new surgeon. She basically walked me through and said, you know, these are the um, this is what you would find if you chose this surgeon or this surgeon or this surgeon. She gave me a couple of options. Yeah. Um, and like that was that was really the turning point that things started to get so much better from there. Did you end up having another surgery or you've only had the one? No, I've only had the one, um, but I'm managing my pain over the last 18 months since I saw that that second specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been managing my pain with other allied health interventions. So I've got a pain medicine person, a pelvic physio, an osteo, all that kind of thing. Have you found a big difference with the pelvic physio? Because there is a lot of research going into endo and seeing the pelvic physio that you can benefit from it. Yeah, that's been, that's been really helpful. Um, And I think particularly in terms of Um, you know, when you're on medications that, you know, do certain things to your hormones and all that kind of thing, there can be um, pelvic physios have that expertise to make sure that your pelvic health is also um, going well as well, um, as well as your physical health and as well as reducing your pain. So yeah, I've definitely found that to be really helpful. I always thought that the pelvic floor was something that would only be affected if you had kids, but no, that's not the case. I'm now discovering that, oh, okay, (laughs) it's causing me a whole bunch of grief now and it's time to take some action and, and go and book in to see the physio, go and do the right steps. Yeah. It's so, so important to be guided by your symptoms and, um, yeah, and to seek the help that you need based on the based on the symptoms that you're having. So how has endo affected your day-to-day life? Well, I think <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I mean, I can't even fathom the way that I used to live before I made the changes that I've had to make to accommodate everything that my body's going through. I mean, in terms of changes, I think the big ones are probably how I manage my time and then also money and the impact of my work. So... I've really had to change how I approach my weekly schedule and my commitments. Mm. 
And, um, you know, I'm sure you know this, Ellie, but for the listeners who might not, chronic pain has a symbiotic relationship with activity, mood and sleep. Mm -hmm. So with knowing that, with that in mind, my weeks are all kind of structured around making sure that I'm getting that balance right, you know, getting enough rest, getting enough mood lifting, social time, not physically doing too much. It's all about being really discriminatory about how I spend my time and Mm -hmm. what I give my energy to so that, you know, I can be as present um, as possible when I'm working. Um, and also so that I can be as happy as possible <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Pain. Because a lot of people with chronic illness will go through really dark days and will struggle with their mental health. And, you know, it's not something to be ashamed of. This is just part of the, the deal, I guess, with going through mm-hmm. the, the physical pain um, and to reach out to, you know, a psychologist or a counsellor or someone who you're able to, to start those conversations with. Now, you mentioned work. How have you found navigating endo in your workplace? Well, I mean, I don't know about you, Ellie, but my endo certainly doesn't decide to take a break just because I have a meeting to get to or a deadline <laughs> to meet. <Nope. laughs> it will just rear up at the worst time. And, you know, we spend a third of our whole lives at work. So it's inevitable that our health and whatever we're we're struggling with and the challenges that we're facing is going to affect work. So we see that beyond endo, you know, with mental health and physical disabilities. You know, we bring everything that we're going through to work because it, you know, takes up so much of our week. Um, But even so, you know, navigating that conversation with an employer can be Mm. really tricky. Um, But, you know, I should check my privilege at the door here because I'm very fortunate in this area that, you know, I work for a large organisation in a great team that's been super supportive while I learn to manage these health challenges and I recognise that's not the norm. Like I've heard so many stories of women who have lost their jobs or who are unable to do their jobs Mm -hmm. because of how much pain they're in or because of the, um, you know, the amount of treatment that they need and all that kind of thing. It's just, it's, it's such a difficult thing to, um, to navigate. And because it is a personal issue, it's women's business. Some endo warriors don't want to be honest with their employers and they will make up what's going on. Like, oh, you know, I've got gastro again, uh, yeah. you know, and you, because you, you may have a, a male boss and you don't want to have that conversation because they're yeah. probably just going to go and, oh, well, that's just period pain. Well, my wife is fine with it. Like, Yeah, it can be, it's such a difficult thing to navigate and, you know, you don't know how much you should say or how little you should say. You want to maintain your privacy, but you also want to manage expectations. It's really, yeah, it's it's a minefield and it's Mm. so, so tricky. Did you go and chat to your boss when you found out what was going on with endo? So when I first got diagnosed, so because there was this, I didn't really know that after I had surgery, it was going to that I was going to have to really make changes to my life. It wasn't until about 18 months later when I'd gotten that second opinion when I realised that there was going to be this overall impact. I think those first 18 months I tried to push through and act normal. And so I didn't really start those conversations then, but it was in the past 18 months where I think I have have had those conversations. So it was perhaps had the conversation a little bit too late, perhaps should have had it a bit earlier when it started affecting me. But having the conversation and being open with the people that I work with because I spend so much time with them has been really, really helpful and it's actually alleviated some of that stress. Mm. It certainly does. I found it really stressful every time I would have an endo flare-up and I'd message my boss and just waiting to see what response I would get. And, you know, mm-hmm. a previous bosses just didn't understand, so they wouldn't even text back. And then you've got that anxiety building up in your head going, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired. Yeah, yeah. But and now so it's different. Guilt. Yes. 
Yes, yeah, so much guilt. Like, and I have that now, even though uh, the people that I work with, my colleagues and my manager, they're all really understanding um, and they're all fantastic. I still feel that guilt. I still feel like I'm letting everyone down and they always tell me don't apologise, but I still, you still feel it. It's mm. so difficult. Yeah, we are the same person. I am <laughs> always apologising for my crappy uterus. And yeah. I'm like, no, don't worry. You just need to take care of yourself. Isn't it interesting? It's like if only I could listen to the words that my workmates are saying to me, take care of yourself, Ellie, then, you know, then I could just switch my brain off. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and also the financial burden of endometriosis. This is something that's not often spoken about um, because it all adds up. You've got the surgeries, oh, you've absolutely. got the medications, you've got the specialist appointments, you've got the physios, the acupunctures, your, your other, you know, different medicines that you might want to take part in. Um, financially, endo, a big burden. Yeah, it's huge. And I'm sure that endo warriors listening will feel us on this. It is such an expensive disease to have. I mean, research shows that it costs each patient $30,000 a year, and that is so much money. I mean, yeah, like you said, let's not even talk about surgery, which can be thousands of dollars a pop. You never really know how many you're going to need over your lifetime or mm. when you're going to need them. So it's really difficult to plan, yeah. even though that's a really significant expense. And then there's, you know, medication, which can be really expensive, especially if it's not listed on the pharmaceutical benefit scheme, which some of them aren't. And then, of course, there's all the medical and allied health appointments. I mean, I only see them as often as I need to for treatment and symptom management. But, you know, I've got nine different specialists and they all charge, you know, an average of $130 per mm. session. And that's that, that's not even my endo. That's just the endo-related ones. That's not even like my GP, my dentist, my optometrist, the other things that you've got to do for your health. And I recognise that I'm in a really privileged position again to be able to afford that level of care and to be located in Sydney where those specialists are accessible to me and I don't have to travel really far just to, you know, access the one GP or the one surgeon. Yeah. Um, you know, and while I'm probably at the more extreme end of treatment needs um, because I actually have comorbidities and, um, you know, wide-ranging symptoms, even if you only see a few specialists a few times a year, it all adds up and it all comes with an opportunity cost. And even if you do have private health, a lot of the time it won't be covered with certain things. Yeah, certain things aren't covered or they're only co covered to, to, a certain, to a certain limit. Yeah. It's difficult. And, and, that, and that's for me, you know, recognising that I'm in a privileged position. So I just, I can't even... It's just, it's yeah, again, such a difficult thing to navigate. Yeah, it really is. And we truly are so lucky here in Australia as well to have the Medicare system in place and you know, the PBS and all that stuff. So, but still, it, it certainly adds up. And as you mentioned, it's around about $30,000 per endo warrior a year is, uh, you know, what we're looking at to deal with this debilitating disease. I'm sure if, it, you know, it was a guy's disease, then maybe it would be slightly different. <laughs> Yeah, I almost think that, you know, yeah, if, if, if men were in pain every day, maybe we'd have more funding for research. Oh, I just wish that a bloke could go through a day of endometriosis of pain and then they'd understand yep. what's going on. Or even anyone who doesn't have it, yeah. really. I mean, there are, you know, it's it's so difficult to, like even before I was diagnosed and before I was, you know, having this level of symptoms, I could not have possibly imagined what it was going to be like. There's nothing that you can do to prepare yourself for it. So you've got stage four? Uh, they didn't actually give me a stage indication when I had my surgery. Yeah. They said 
Yeah, it's there. <laughs> it's it's there. Did it. they mention where it whereabouts it is? Because this always blows my mind. Where is the endo in your body? Yeah, so it's um all over my uterus and between my uterus and my basically between my reproductive system and my um bowels. Okay. So yeah, lots of um gastrointestinal symptoms yeah. I have because of that. And then also on um a lot of the ligaments that hold everything in place. Mm-hmm. Fairly widespread. Not a fun time when it is on, time, on the bowel though. as well. <laughs> I'm sure every endo warrior who's got it there is like, yep, I, I know what you're talking about. I'm with you. Yep. <laughs> mm, good times. So the moment you, uh, you're feeling good despite everything going on? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing's been, the whole diagnosis journey has been a roller coaster, but yeah. I feel like I'm on the up. So that's good. <laughs> and you've got a good support network around you by the sounds of things with your workplace and family and friends. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My workplace has been fantastic. My team is wonderful and my family and friends are phenomenal. They are just, I would not be able to do this without them. Is there anyone else in your family who has endo or is it just you? Uh, my godmother, my mum's sister. Yeah. Um, has endo, uh, has had endo in the past and um, she had multiple surgeries over her life. So, yeah, that's the only that's the only person in my family who... It's really interesting hearing sometimes with various families and how many members of the family have got it. You know, in my family, there's my mum, me, her two sisters, I think potentially yeah. cousins and stuff like that. So there really is a strong um, hereditary link when it comes to endometriosis. The one question I love to ask everyone is, what is your message to the endo warriors who have just been diagnosed or are going through the process? I think a couple of things. The first is to accept that you might need to make some changes to the way that you're living. I think I pushed against that against that when I was first diagnosed and I didn't really realise. But if you don't do it yourself at some point, your body will force you to do it because overdoing it and pushing your body too hard is just a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. So, you know, be go easy on yourself and, um, you know, make the changes that you think you need to make. Then the second thing would be let your symptoms and how they're impacting you guide you on what to prioritise for treatment because there are lots of treatment options and avenues and it can be really overwhelming to think that you need all of them. Um, but your endo is unique and you know what you're going through. So if your gut symptoms are really bothering you, then maybe seek out a dietitian. If pain's persistent, consider seeing a pelvic floor physio. You know, be guided by what you're going through and what's really impacting you the most. Let your body guide you. Yeah, listen to your body. Absolutely. And if it's telling you you just need to rest, then rest. Do not push yes. yourself, which is something I'm only just learning myself at the age of 36. Yeah. It can be a difficult lesson to learn because our our inclination is always to try harder and do more and just try and do a little bit more. But sometimes you just got to know when to stop. Absolutely. Now, what's the one thing that you would love to see change in the future for endometriosis in Australia and around the world? Oh, that's such a hard question because there are so many things, aren't there? Obviously, a cure would be good, right? <laughs> we'd love that. Uh, we'd love it. Um, you know, more funding would be amazing, more research would help, uh, greater awareness would do wonders. So I don't think I can choose just one, all of those. <laughs> can I say everything? <laughs> Pick every single one. What would be every the one thing, one. though, in your experience? It's like, oh, if only that would be different for when I was going through it. I think in the short term, 
like de definitely more awareness because I mean I had to discover myself what I thought was going on and so more awareness particularly among GPs because they're the first port of call for most people when they start going through their symptoms or when things are getting difficult so I think that would really help because it might speed up that diagnosis um, journey for people. Mm, absolutely. And you are the New South Wales coordinator for Endometriosis Australia and you are an amazing person who does this voluntarily. Um, there are so many other volunteers who are part of this charity and big shout out to all of you because I know um, you put in so much time and effort, especially with the high teas we've had in the past, like go above and beyond to make sure that everything runs smoothly. But there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes, thanks to our incredible volunteers. It's an exciting time. I know there's lots of stuff in the pipeline for Endo Australia. And you did mention that you're part of the, you know, really driving the fundraising to get some funds for research, which is so important, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I did this year um, in March, I did the uh, March into Yellow where I wore yellow every day. Great. Um, and, you know, posted on social media, you know, trying to educate the people that I know, my friends and my family about endo and what it's like to go through um, that each day. Um, and I think, you know, we all do, we all do our bit. There are so many opportunities for individuals to fundraise and so check out the website there's there's lots there endometriosisaustralia.org the place to go to natasha torero thank you so much for your time and for telling us about your incredible journey with endometriosis and i'm grateful that you're feeling good at the moment thank you ellie it's been wonderful thank you so much for having hang in there in lockdown and you know what go and treat yourself to some ferrero rochers after i've said your surname again <laughs> <laughs> That was Natasha Torero, a volunteer for Endometriosis Australia as our New South Wales coordinator. If you'd like to know more information about how you can become a volunteer, you want to read more medical blogs, see the webinars, so much information, a wealth of knowledge, and of course you can donate as well, which helps with fundraising for research, endometriosisaustralia.org. If you have enjoyed this episode of the podcast, make sure... You subscribe, you share, you review it, you give us five stars because simply by you doing that, by taking that extra 10 seconds, you help to spread the word to other endo warriors, not only in Australia, but across the world, that this podcast about endometriosis actually exists. There is not many in this world. I think this may be the only one. In future, we would love to be able to bring you better podcasts, so make sure that you subscribe, do all the things, give it all the likes, all the thumbs up and the love that you can in the universe. I'm sending all of my love in the universe to you, to those people doing it really tough in lockdown. Stay safe, be kind to yourself and reach out to someone if you do need to talk to anyone. Lifeline is always amazing, 13 11 14. Thank you so much for listening in. I cannot wait to chat to you again. I'll reach out to you soon. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs, and thank you so much for listening to Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis.